Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hello, everybody. Hope all is well with you. Ooh, very smooth. I'm Chad Benson. In for our good buddy Greg. Jim Garrity is here from the National Review. And uh, as usual, we are uh, we got three three amazing delicious martinis today and uh jim let's always start with the good and uh china well they're telling their people hey you know what your crazy rhetoric uh is starting to uh some of you people out there are going out and speaking for us it's starting to scare some people away uh of doing business and some other things so maybe we need to ring it rail that back in just a little bit indeed chad uh it's not often that china features in our good martini but this comes from the wall street journal it's an exclusive although i Wouldn't be surprised to see other publications that cover China picking up on the same pattern here. Um, If you pay attention to China, and all of us have paid a lot more attention to China in the past, say, year and a half than we may have in the past, um, you notice the Chinese foreign ministry and their diplomats tend to be really aggressive and really hyperbolic and really incendiary in their rhetoric. And it's this mentality that's kind of gets nicknamed the wolf warrior ethos. It's named after basically the Chinese version of Rambo over there. Um, and the Chinese foreign ministry for a really long time had been like their, their approach had been to bore you into submission. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you know, kind of with the rise of Trump, they took this much more aggressive stance. You probably have seen in the way they've dealt with uh, Australia and the way they've dealt with the allegations about the Wuhan lab. That They basically react to any criticism, uh, you know, mild, medium or spicy. Uh, They just kind of, you know, react to it angriously and furiously, make, you know, wild, crazy, hyperbolic counter accusations. If you pay attention to the foreign ministry, they're absolutely convinced that the uh, COVID-19 virus is a U.S. bioweapon that was released in order to wipe out China and, you know, crazy conspiracy theories like this. And for a long time, this was the approach. And this was considered very much in thinking with Xi Jinping. But according to the Wall Street Journal, People within the Chinese foreign ministry have had this remarkable discovery that it's not working, uh, that people actually expect diplomats to be diplomatic and that it just they're, all of their efforts at diplomacy are not getting them where they want to go. Chad, I would just interject here and point out a big part of it might be that they're counting on vaccine diplomacy and talking about how much they're sending out the Sinopharm and Sinovac vaccines. The only catch, Chad, is that those vaccines don't work very well. Uh, so people turn out to be less than fully grateful when they find out that the vaccines got about a 50-50 shot of preventing a COVID-19 infection. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, so yeah, so, so it's very interesting. It apparently says high level meetings about moderating China's aggressive diplomacy date to April, motivated by a concern that the strategy has alienated the US and other countries in ways that risk isolating the Chinese economy. Um, that's that's kind of interesting, kind of surprising. They don't like uh, backing down from this sort of thing. My suspicion is they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't feel like they really had to. And of course, one of the great ironies is that once you unleash this kind of uh, nationalistic and and paranoid and and you know furious anger. It's very tough to get this uh, 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 to keep this in check. And now they're finding themselves very frustrated by the fact that you know uh, the nationalist fervor in the country may not allow them the leeway to lessen the the kind of tone and rhetoric and their approach they've taken to foreign relations. So fascinating stuff, but it is reassuring to know that being. Uh, a frothing at the mouth, roid rage style diplomacy does not actually work on the world stage and that China's aggressive tactics may be backfiring. So let me get this right, Jim. If you treat people like crap and you threaten them, uh, somehow they don't warm up to that kind of rhetoric? 
Yeah, go figure. Now, Machiavelli had argued, you know, asked whether it's better to be feared than loved. I think ideally, and something that, you know, I think wiser American voices have been trying to assess since at least the, at least the days of the Cold War, if not earlier. You know, you want to be loved, but you also want to be feared, or at least the sense people fear you in the sense that they recognize the consequences of messing with you and or killing your, your citizens and things like that. So I think we've, you know, like for all of our flaws, and we've made plenty of errors in this area, it is nice to see that, you know, open naked aggression from an authoritarian regime doesn't always work and has exactly the effect we'd like to see uh, amongst the Pacific Rim nations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's good because they borrowed a lot of money. Uh, it, it just doesn't interest them, you could say. Ah, look at the way you did that. You know, times are tough and worrying about the interest rates on your student loan payments doesn't make things any easier. And that is where refinancing with Earnest can help. Yeah. Earnest offers low-rate student loan refinancing. You can check your rate risk-free in just two minutes. With Earnest, you get radically flexible payments, and you can pick your loan term, which is amazing. And by refinancing, you can reduce your loan term, save money, or combine multiple loans into a simple monthly payment. And if you have any questions, you can even talk to a real-life human at Earnest for help. It's time you stop feeling overwhelmed by your student debt. You get a $100 cash bonus when you visit earnest.com slash martini to refinance your student loan, not available in all states, terms and conditions apply. Earnest Student Loan Refinancing is made by Earnest Operations, LLC, NMLS number 1204917, California. Refinancing law license number 6054788, 303 2nd Street, Suite 401N, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com forward slash licenses for a full list of licenses. And I hope everyone goes out and checks those particular uh, operating numbers. That's always, yes, that's always my favorite numbers. part of the radio ad. So, so that's a super uh, lot of numbers. You know, we must have oh, some goodness. bad news in our lives, don't we, Chad? Well, bad, it depends on, you know, uh, New York is, well, they're doing something that you would think they would never do. They're copying Iowa by not being able to figure <laughs> out how to finish any of their primaries or anything like that, case in point, uh, there's still a ton of absentee ballots out there, and we have no idea who is in the lead. We think we know who will win, but the reality is is they're, uh, they're just floundering when it comes to this mayoral race. Yeah, I mean, right now, Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough president and former police captain, uh, is ahead by 9.4 percentage points. But what happens is, is they take the final finisher, cross them out, but because it's ranked choice voting, you take, okay, who do they pick second? And then you reallocate those votes to the rest. Then you look at those folks and you say, all right, so who finished last then? You take their choices, their, those folks, put their second choice and reallocate them then. And it goes through this for several cycles. Now, the thing that kind of jumps out at me, Chad, is it was as of Monday, there are around 124,000 outstanding Democratic absentee ballots that had not been counted and more might stickle, still trickle in until the deadline on Tuesday. Now, I went up and I looked because you know, they voted... A week ago, the yeah. deadline for getting your your absentee ballot in is uh, I, I, when I say Tuesday, I, I, I guess they mean today. One week after Election Day, you're allowed to turn in your absentee ballot. So I went and I looked up under New York state law. Um, you have to mail it by June 21st or you can drop it off by the Times polls close on June 22nd. So you have seven days for the mail to get there. First of all, Chad, just how bad is the mail service up in New York state or New York City? Very bad, by the sounds of it. Very, very bad. Apparently, yeah. like you, know, like I, I, I have always believed that you know I want to have one simple deadline 
for turning in your ballot. And my guess is if polls close at eight o'clock on election night, that's fine. I want your absentee ballots in by election night. I hope people get understandably very wary. And this is one of the controversies they had in Pennsylvania, uh, although it was not enough to determine the winner between uh, Biden and Trump. But the state ruled that they were going to allow uh, absentee ballots that arrived after election day if they had a smudged postmark. Well, if it's got a smudged postmark, you don't know exactly what day it was mailed. So it's theoretically people could mail it after Election Day, get it into the mailbox, and theoretically continue voting even after the polls close. We don't want that to happen. Again, didn't happen in the numbers to determine the winner in the presidential race. But I think most of us would say, you know what, this is not a good practice. You don't want anybody casting ballots after election night, uh, after the polls close. Here in New York, I mean, theoretically, they still have to be postmarked by a certain date. It doesn't say anything about smudged postmarks or if it's illegible. But seven days seems really, really long, particularly when you have to do these extra rigmarole of doing ranked, ranked choice voting and things like that. They're not going to know for at least another week and probably more than that. It says on July 6th, which is a week from now, there will be a fresh round of results that is expected to include some of the absentee ballots and a more complete set of results is expected the following week. Once again... They had their, their vote on June 22nd, and they think they might have something by the week of July 12th. Chad, does that make any sense to you? No. And I'm sitting here and I'm laughing because I'm like, it's not like there was 50 million votes to count. It's not like you couldn't have walked it over anywhere. If, you've, if this is the way you're running stuff, no wonder people are frustrated with our election system. Uh, it's nuts. It tr- Jimmy, you look at something like this, and I joked about the whole thing because I still don't know who really won in Iowa uh, low those many years ago, it seems. But the frustration that people must feel over something like this and the candidates themselves, you got you know Adams and Yang and a bunch of other people who are sitting around going, I think I'm going to win, but I'm not quite sure. I think I'm out of the race, but I'm not quite sure. They've kind of moved on with their life because they don't know what to do at this point because you're still counting votes and you're still waiting for who knows how many votes may come in. And then we go back to the post office, which is yet another scary thing uh, that it may take seven days to go across the street. I don't know who's who your post person is, but they're not very good at their job. It's it's really fascinating that in this era of, let's say, uh, less than than perfect public faith in the administration of elections, and a lot of it's crazy conspiracy theories and, you know, Venezuelans are hacking the machines and all kinds of nutty stuff like that. But for understandable reasons, when there's when it takes a really long time to count the votes, people start, you know, the suspicion of shenanigans gets higher. And I think it's safe to say that, you know, in what, you know, what New Yorkers like to think of themselves as the greatest city in the world. And what certainly, you know, it's a, we, we don't think of it as being this dilapidated third world uh, you know, uh, you know, place that's uh, that's crumbling into a disaster area. You'd like to think you could figure out who won the primary to be the mayor within three weeks. That that seems yeah. that seems like a reasonable, you know. And the first step strikes me as, you know, what? How about you have all the absentee ballots due on election day, and you and you have to have a cutoff. You have to have a deadline. Give people as much warning as possible. Say, look, you must mail it by this date, or it must arrive by this date. So make sure you mail it in quickly. But because yeah. they don't want to do that, and they want to, oh, no, no, we got to, we got to extend this deadline. Well, it means you can't even begin, know that you've got all the ballots in until next week, July 6th. That's insane. Say two weeks after Election Day, we're still not sure how many votes were cast. This is what well, makes people lose faith in their elections. Uh, yeah. It looks ridiculous. If Eric Adams is going to be the nominee, he needs to like and go to be the next mayor. You'd like to, he'd like to be able to get prepped on the, this process. They, they, this ranked choice thing is bad enough. 
but the entire infrastructure of the city's uh, election counting is a disaster. You probably remember New York State was the one where they actually didn't seat their congressmen on time because they had the endless lawsuits, the endless recounts and stuff like that. People, there are a lot of nonsense worries about our election system and how they're administered, but there are genuine worries. And the idea that it takes three weeks to calculate the vote of a mayoral race is a genuine embarrassment to the country and should not continue. I don't know how these people can sleep at night. Ah, look what you did there. I don't know how they can do it uh, either. So they must have to sleep in some better sheets if they want to get a good night's rest. Yeah. Did you know that my pillow is about more than just a fantastic pillow? Now my pillow is given the same attention that they've given to their pillows to the Giza Dream Sheets. And their current offer is that for a limited time, you can get two sets of Giza Dream Sheets for one low price plus free shipping. Yeah. That's what's great about my pillow. So imagine this. You're sliding into the most comfortable sheets you're ever going to own, guaranteed. It's world best cotton. It's grown in a region where it's like in a triangle, right? You've got the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. It's long, staple cotton. Makes it ultra soft and breathable. It's available in different colors and sizes. Machine washable. 60-day money-back guarantee. One-year limited warranty. So visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or you can call 1-800-874-0104 for two sets of Giza Dream Sheets for one low price plus free shipping. Again, that is two sets of Giza Dream Sheets for one low price plus free shipping with the promo code MARTINI at MyPillow.com. Or just call 1-800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. Somebody who can't sleep apparently anymore, like what I did there, uh, is Tucker Carlson, knowing that the NSA is hunting for him, searching for him, coming for him, Jim, because, well, they want to stop his show because he's got stuff. Yeah, so this was either a either a bombshell last night or a, uh, if you're not a fan of Tucker Carlson, you'll probably think he's gone around the bend. I think the, I, I've described myself as wary of what he was saying last night, but I think probably the best thing <laughs> lending credibility to his claim is the fact that he began by saying he didn't think he would believe this at first himself. Tucker Carlson claimed on Monday night that the, his personal communications are being monitored by the NSA, that is the National Security Agency, the vast intelligence gathering apparatus that specializes in listening to foreign intelligence, radio signals, telephone signals, internet, email, texting, you know, the works. And he said they're doing this in an attempt, quote, in an attempt to take this show off the air, unquote. Now, Carlson said he told his viewers that a whistleblower from the U.S. government reached out to his show, quote, to warn us that the NSA, the National Security Agency, is monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air. Now, probably the best thing you can say about Tucker Carlson, if you're if you're hearing this and you're saying, oh, that sounds like nonsense, is that he says that is a shocking claim and ordinarily we would be skeptical of it. But he told viewers that the evidence they have of this is that the whistleblower who's in a position to know repeated back to us information about a story that we are working on that could only have come directly from my texts and emails. There's no other possible source for that information, period. Now, this is not by itself proof. I would like to know more specifics. I'd like to know more details. I, I realize maybe this story that Tucker Carlson is working on isn't done yet, but now whatever story they're working on in the first place, it's yeah, this is a bigger deal, right? Unless it's, oh yeah, here's the proof of the aliens. The NSA spying on Tucker Carlson by itself is a bigger story than what that was. And I would like to know for certain 
that there really is only one way for this whistleblower to know this information uh, by looking at uh, Tucker Carlson's emails and texts. There are a bunch of ways to learn information. I, I don't know if it's, it, it doesn't strike me as inconceivable that somebody is pulling Tucker Carlson's leg. But I don't know that. I, I would say that an extraordinary accusation like this does require extraordinary proof. So far, far we haven't. Um, now, I would say, okay, technically the NSA is not supposed to be collecting information on American citizens, but uh, we also found out that they vacuum up lots of information and the FISA courts give them about a 99% approval, uh, approval of most of their uh, uh, wiretapping requests and things like that. So it's not crazy to think about U.S. intelligence agencies uh, listening to Americans and, and, you know, not doing so in ways that are consistent with our Constitution. But a, a bombshell. Chad, what do you make of this? It's hard to tell. Look, you know, I was talking to my show today, Jim. It's it's we, the world lives now in outrage. Outrage is big money and saying stuff that's off the wall is crazy. You know, you go read like the National Review. It's like you look at that's a conservative. You, you guys are going to be conservative. You're not coming from a, a real housewives of Orange County, crazy kind of politics that we live in. And cable news is about outrage. It's about insane. You say some of the craziest stuff. See who calls you on it and see if you can prove any of the stuff. Would it be, I mean, I just said Edward Snowden. That's all you have to say. Would it be inconceivable? No. Is it possible? Yes. Do I think, though, that there are people inside of the government actively working to pull him off the air or try to get him exposed for something? I got to see proof, man. I'm living in one of these things where I like to see proof about stuff. I don't care if you think that the election has been stolen or that you think the NSA is coming for you. If you don't have proof, then all you have is an accusation. And that's I kind of like facts over feelings. Yeah. Again, I I think we need to see it's it's just not enough to for uh, for Tucker Carlson to say this happened to me for us to take it on faith. This is a really extraordinary accusation and also like this whistleblower like if he's got documentation of the intercepts and documentation of the national security agency taking time out of its busy day to say hey let's all get together and get tucker carlson off the air like now here's the thing they did find nsa uh, uh employees had used their access to uh illegally access things about ex-girlfriends and things like that so they have bad apples there the idea of this being somewhat so the idea of this being shaking out exactly as tucker carlson is describing i'm very skeptical but once you broaden out to the idea of somebody at the nsa doing something inappropriate in relation to tucker carlson that's not quite so implausible uh we're gonna have to wait and see on this story i tell everybody not to jump to any conclusions let's see if he can generate any proof on this um more to be seen, but uh, definitely this is going to ramp up the paranoia out there, uh, probably by a considerable amount. And we love ourselves some paranoia. Outro- <laughs> outrage and paranoia sell well. Uh, he's Jim Garrity. I'm Chad Benson in for Greg Columbus. This is the Three Martini Lunch. Follow me at Chad Benson Show. Jim, where does everybody get you? Uh, at Jim Garrity on Twitter and uh, obviously the Morning Jolt newsletter at National Review and contributing to the corner throughout the day. There you go. You guys have a great day. There's never a shortage of craziness going on in the news, and we are here to talk about it all. New vaccine numbers are out. They don't seem to be moving. Parents are taking action and fighting against critical race theory at school board meetings, and transgender athletes are set to play in the Olympics. Hey, it's the Chicks from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics to pop culture, nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.